This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Taylor Riggs in for Carol Masser. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast where we give you an in-depth interview you won't hear anywhere else. And this in-depth interview, Jason, it's the Boxed CEO. Boxed is a company sort of taking on Costco in the shipping area. I love the story of Che Huang. He talked to us about forming the company, putting together this band of friends and former colleagues, how they got started, and kind of the gumption it takes, as you say, to take on some really big names. All right. So, so much to cover with you, but take us back to the beginning of this company. Where did the idea come from? And then we're just going to go all over the place. Um, awesome. So I, I, you know, it's crazy if you go back a few years, oftentimes I sit or I'm lying in bed, and I'm thinking about like, how did I get myself into this industry. And I often feel like the only thing that comes to mind is that there's a fine line between hubris uh, and being naive. Uh, And like, what were we thinking sitting in a garage in central Jersey five and a half years ago thinking, you know what, we're going to build a storied multi-hundred million dollar, hopefully multi-billion dollar retailer one day. Um, And I like to think we were just a little bit naive, uh, but it was necessary. So I grew up in the Burbs every weekend or every other weekend going to the warehouse clubs uh, with my mom. Um, And then later in life, uh, I didn't have a car to get to the warehouse clubs anymore. Back in 2013, it was really difficult to get the big things delivered. You can get the small retail packs delivered, but the big 24 cases of water, the 24 packs of paper towels, it's just hard to get it delivered online. And probably like most other folks sitting on the 20-minute line at Costco, I thought, couldn't I do this online? Uh, and sure enough, it seemed like it wasn't available. And you know, paired with being a little bit naive, uh, we started in a garage five and a half years ago. All right. So I'm going to take you even further back to okay. that suburban kid uh, in Jersey. Were you entrepreneurially minded? Were you the guy who on the weekends, if you weren't going to the big box store, you were like setting up a lemonade stand, you were mowing lawns? Like what? Who were you back then? Uh, I would say now that I look back at it, I guess I was a little bit more entrepreneurial than the rest of the kids. And so I would, you know, uh, I remember like I would at the basketball courts up the street at the park, I would have like this big box of candy and I would sell it to kids and other kids on the block. And so um, even from then, I guess I had this entrepreneurial knack, Um, but uh, I never really pursued it throughout college or throughout kind of the early years of my professional uh, life. Um, And it came back in a strong way. So you're in line at Costco and you come up with this idea. Idea. And as all good stories start, you're in the basement in the suburbs yeah. <laughs> in New Jersey. Walk us through what those five and a half years are like, how you start the idea every year of sort of the struggles, the ups and downs. I think people who interview or listen or talk to entrepreneurs are really fascinated by really the process that seems so difficult from an outsider. And it is difficult. I think sometimes in the press, you just see it being so easy. It's like overnight success and like multi-billion dollar company, you know, they woke up and they did it. But looking back, I, I often think, of it as kind of um, that scene from old school with Will Will Ferrell, where he's in that debate uh, and he says a lot of stuff and he wakes up, he's like, I blacked out what happened. Uh Um, Even as I sit here right now, it kind of feels like that because if you rewind back five and a half years ago, sitting in a garage saying, we're going to do that and saying, okay, we're open for business and not getting a single order that day, um, it's really tough. Um, But I'd like to think that that faith in that uh, that the original idea and the original opportunity is really what carried uh, me and the rest of the founding team uh, throughout these years. So let's talk about that we. 
how did the team get put together? How did you guys know each other? Oh, uh, my gosh. Like, uh, I was so out of the four co-founders, me included, one I met as an intern um, uh, over 10 years ago. One was the first person that I got detention with in sixth grade. Um, uh, I So, we had met uh, that day in sixth, first day of sixth grade. We're in the same English class together. And I made him laugh so hard, he actually like puked on the desk. And we both got sent to the principal's office and we both got detention. Sorry, maybe TMI for Bloomberg. But uh, but that's how we met. And and that was... That's how Taylor yeah. and I met. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we saw each other in the principal's yeah, office. Yeah, right. Right. That's um, right. But that's how we met. And the other, uh, our CTO um, uh, was... Um, uh, uh, one of was the younger brother of one of my best friends. Um, so in, in this weird way, we kind of had known each other for so long mm-hmm. that there was that inherent trust. Uh, even though on the weekends we don't really hang out anymore. So you were mentioning what 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 kind of changes over time. What you, what I found is that the co-founding team, the trust is deeper than ever. Um, but the kind of surface level, let's go hang out, like let's have di- that is no longer the case. We all have our different lives. Um, but even though that went away, the most fascinating thing is that that deep down trust is even deeper. And so it's it's really, yeah, it's strange how it, how it evolved. And I, sorry, what I think I love about some of the diverse group that you guys have all brought together is your background. You're an ex-lawyer as well. So how have some of all of your earlier career paths, if you will, sort of set you up for where you are? Um, we come from such strange backgrounds in the sense that it's very eclectic backgrounds. So uh, two of the co-founders, we met at a law firm, uh, interns at a law firm. One was a, uh, a programmer um, at, a, at a big financial firm. Uh, one was a consultant at Goldman for, for many years. Ironically, he's our head creative guy now. So, you know, they, they really they really beat the creativity out of him there. So now, he, you know, because yeah. um, I'm, I'm not sure if they teach you Photoshop in, uh, at Goldman, but, uh, but I, think so. yeah. I think that's part of it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we come from different backgrounds, but I think the thing that really ties it all together, um, would probably be that we were all professionals and still remember the recession, uh, the, the big recession in 08. Um, all right. So let's talk about the big idea because, you know, you alluded to this at the beginning, you talked about your own history with, you know, warehouse clubs and, and things like that. But even five and a half years ago, retail was not something where, People were charging in and saying, you know where the future is? Some sort of some sort of retail type situation. So what what did you see? Um, it was strange because I often, you know, that faith is is shaken a lot in the beginning because you can re- imagine 2013 when we were going uh, uh, kind of. A tin cup in hand, rattling it at in front of all the big VCs around kind of Palo Alto and Sand Hill Road. Um, a lot of them were like, wait. You're pitching e-commerce, like, right. and grocery e-commerce. Talk about a boring kind of industry, uh, and talk about one that is kind of outdated by 13 years. Um, and so, a lot of folks would say, "Wait a minute! Like, we made our last e-commerce investment in '99, and so you're a little bit late here, buddy." Um, but I think over time, the dearth of e-commerce investment in that kind of phase mm-hmm. actually allowed us to thrive because. As you look at folks really doing our, our quote unquote class of companies, later growth stage companies doing what we do, there's not a lot around because not a lot got funded uh, back in 13 and 14 uh, for e-commerce. And is that because so many of the early e-commerce internet, I'm going way back to like the web vans and yeah, things like yep. that. So was there a little bit of um, VC PTSD going on that like maybe we can't actually 
do this? Yeah. In their defense, I would say every single VC firm that we talked to in the early days, they could show very real and very deep scars on how they got burned or, or kind of uh, yeah, just really burned by e-commerce in Web 1.0. Um, they all had one of those kind of names in their portfolio. And most outside of Amazon did not do well uh, from that class. Yeah, I mean, I think about like a Cosmo.com. Sure, Pets.com. Pets.com, like mm. all of these yeah. names, the transition was going to be, all right, people are going to go to stores. They're going to buy online on this new internet thing, and it's going to be great, and we're going to make a lot of money, but we're going to have to spend a ton to build that underlying infrastructure. Yeah, you know what's really interesting in a recent, I think, uh, shareholder day, uh, so SoftBank is not an investor in Boxed, but I, I, I kind of read some of this transcript of the recent investor day. And I think uh, Masayoshi Son said, one of the lines was like, I apologize to everyone that believed that kind of the internet was going to be big 20 years ago. We didn't make money for you then, but now it's really starting to happen and we're going to make money for you now. And I think back in 99 and 2000, it was kind of a false start. All the things that like that were pitched to investors and just people in general didn't really happen over the next five years. But over the next 20, the irony is that it, most of it came true. Well, and as we look sort of where you want to be in the next 10, 20 years or so, I'm glad that you brought up Amazon because Amazon with the investment in Whole Foods has gone into the grocery business. We know companies like Walmart have done a good job of sort of bringing in pickup or delivery in-house. How would you compete with companies like those? I think it's running our own race. I think there's a lot of folks out there trying to be the next Amazon or taking the Amazon playbook and saying, we have to do that, but better. Well, the reality is, you know, that's it's a really great company. The scary thing is that Amazon is at massive scale, yet they still move at the speed of a company probably, you know, our size or smaller. Um, and so if we try to run any of the race in a similar way to them, uh, you're just playing for second, if not third, fourth, fifth, sixth in that race. And so for us, you know, differentiating with just carrying the wholesale packs, limited skews so we can concentrate our volumes, shipping eight to 10 items per order, um, having a big B2B business, all those things uh, contribute to how we're uh, ever so different from them, uh, even though we sell Oreo cookies and they sell Oreo cookies. And so how do you segment out that customer? How do you identify that person who is going to Costco, presumably, sure. and not necessarily going to Walmart? I mean, I think about myself, like, we go to Costco, you know, we live in the burbs, we go to Costco, we don't go to Walmart. And so, but how do you figure out who I am, essentially? So, um, just simply because, one, it's like, because we, we're not the everything store, um, uh, that's a very, very um, kind of overt decision for us not to try to be the everything store. Uh, we know, simply by you coming to the site, the fact that we're limited skew, large format, yeah. uh, you're more of the shopper that's going into a Costco or, say, a Sam's Club, rather than the Walmart next door. The reality is, you know, in the offline world, uh, you know, retail's all about location, location, location. But Sam's Club shares the same parking lot as Walmart in 70% of their locations and folks self-select every day. So we want those folks exactly like you said, that are self-selecting into a Sam's, even though you have to pay the membership fee right. uh, versus the Walmart. Same brand, similar savings. But that Sam's customer is buying for their business, buying for their big family, or buying for events. And that's the customer we want that's probably not so well served by Amazon. Um, so how do you build this team? You know, I mean, it's it's highly competitive out there for talent, I would think. You're here in New York City, um, which has become something of a tech hub in, in, a, in a lot of ways. Um, how do you scale this thing? 
Um, it's not easy. It, it, there's a full-on kind of uh, tech talent war uh, going on out there. Uh, and so, like all things with regards to our company, we try not to fight fire with fire. Um, and so, we're not going to get into a cash bidding war against, say, Uber or Google here in New York. It's just really difficult to. Uh, maybe you win a few candidates, but you're not going to win them all. Um, and it will really kind of take away some of the things that we can uh, bring to bear, which is either the culture, the freedom uh, for engineers to use their own technology. Technology or you or make really high level decisions that they otherwise would not be able to do. So case in point, um, we now have our own hardware division. So we build and manufacture the, the, the actual robotics that automate our newest fulfillment centers. Mm -hmm. So all of it is ours. Um, and so that team, none of them were recruited as hardware engineers. They all kind of graduated from software engineers. Uh, some of them were trained in double E and graduated into the hardware division. And so um, when you're able to kind of allow folks freedom like that, they might, you know, yeah, if they make enough, they make enough, but maybe they will forego that top 1% of that salary to say, okay, you know, I'd rather just like my life um, rather than maximize every last kind of cash dollar. That was Box CEO, Che Huang. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to tune into Bloomberg Business Week Radio Live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Taylor Riggs, in for Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.